Oh, it's it. Let's do this, peeps. Welcome to another podcast. This is Kenny Molotov. You're looking at Chronicles of a Plumber. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring in that bass. Here it goes. Yes, sir. What is happening? What's crack-a-lacking? It is March 16th, 2019. I haven't spoken to you peeps in a very, very, very long time. But let me tell you, I'm really excited to be back. I'm really excited to see you guys. Let me tell you who I am. My name is Kenny Molotov professional magician, a little bit of a musician, but I'm also a YouTube plumber. You can find me on all the links down below in the description. Um, Let's talk about a couple of things that are going on. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash Kenny hyphen Molotov, you can find my anchor listing there. Um, Anchor is where I upload my podcast and it distributes it to different uh, apps. Let me tell you which apps they are. They have Anchor Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you go to any of those apps right there, you can find me there under Kenny Molotov. And this is my weekly podcast of Chronicles of a Plumber. It hasn't been weekly because I've been in school for a while. And school has been a little bit hectic. We're going to be talking about all of that. But let's just jump into the channel real quickly. So I do plumbing vlogs, if you already don't know, uh, and I usually upload about once or twice a week. I know, I know it's been a while, but if you go over to the YouTube channel, this is what you're going to see. Sitting at 2,400 subscribers, almost at 2,500 subscribers. Thank you for all the new subscribers out there. Love you guys. I appreciate all the love. And then if you go to Chronicles of a Plumber, we're still sitting at 28, but I haven't been uploading for a while, so you can't really argue about that right now. So let's talk about what's been going on. If you're looking at me right now, you're probably thinking, Kenny, you ain't as pasty as you normally are, and that is an actually true statement. I'm not because we just got back from a vacation. Yep, raise the roof to that. We went to the Dominican Republic for a total of 10 days so that we can just unwind. So for those of you that don't know, I've been in school for the past eight weeks. As of January 7th, I think, I started We finished March 1st, and then my wife and I embarked on a little trip on March 4th, and we went to the Dominican Republic. School has been – school is tough, man. School is really tough. And actually, if you go over to the YouTube channel, you'll see my last uh, video was week three of school. I'm going to go through the entire eight-week process. I have all the video footage that I need to do that. What happened in school, if you watch the last video, is I got sick. I got very sick. I I thought I had strep throat, but I just had the symptoms of strep throat. I had a sore throat. And like, it was on fire. It wasn't even sore. It was on fire. It was on fire for a while. Then I got super congested. And you could see me in that video. I was destroyed, okay? And that's when I stopped uh, editing videos on the weekends because I was just sleeping on the weekends. Um, so I got a sore throat. I got congested. And I, was, I felt like death, okay? And this happened all in week two. That's when it first started. I got a little bit better between week two and week three over the weekend. And then as of week three Monday, I started getting worse again. Week On Tuesday of week three, on Wednesday of week three, I just started getting worse and worse. And then as of Thursday on week three, I didn't get worse. I got 
horrible because I came down with pink eye. You can see it. You can see it in this video. I look terrible in this video because you're seeing me the night before the test on Friday. And on the night before the test is when I officially first had the symptoms of pink eye. And you can see my eye looking really gnarly in this video. So um, it was it was a bit of a disaster. So as soon as that happened, basically I, I put everything aside. All my passions, all my enjoyments, I put aside. And I said, okay, I really got to recover. And then second, I have to make sure that I continue performing in school. Because school is tough, man. It's not an easy process. It is eight weeks. Every Friday you have a test, which means every week, whatever content you cover, you have to memorize, which is brand new content. And then the added difficulty of this semester was that they were also doing a review section from the years before. We So I was in advanced plumbing this semester. It's my final block before I can challenge the national exam. So... That was the biggest difference between this year and the years before. They gave you this review section, and this review section was extensive sometimes. Like you would you would have to study maybe, I don't know, 12 or 13 different codes in order to memorize it and get it down. Like, for example, uh, circuit venting in the, the Ontario code book is an extensive section. It has a lot of clauses on it and you got to know them all. And so when they asked us to learn circuit venting, that was a really tough Thursday because not only was I still memorizing everything from the week, then you have to go back and you have to get all these rules down. And man, it's not easy to read a code book. A code book is a uh, law language. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but it was written by lawyers. The whole point of the code book is so that um, people can defend the reasons why um, you did something wrong as a plumber or the plumber can defend reasons why they're doing something correct. So in other words, it's a document designed to be able to prove certain individuals correct or incorrect, okay? And the language is very dense. It's not the way you speak. It's, it's very awkward, in other words. It's, it's language that's specifically designed for this purpose, right? So you having to sit down and rewrite these rules a hundred times, it, it can tear your mind apart. It's really difficult to keep the enthusiasm going when you're doing stuff like that. It's not an easy thing. But fortunately, all is well still. Uh, I'm, I'm happy the way it went. School's result was pretty good. I'm going to get my final marks uh, within the next week or two weeks, which is good. Um, so that week, week three, which is if you go back to um, the YouTube channel, you could check that out. Um, not only do I cover what I did that week, uh, but you also see a little bit of plumbing that I did weeks before when I wasn't in school sort of thing. So I got sick, and as soon as I got sick, it was the sort of thing where, you know, you just got to do the essentials. You got to sleep. You got to eat well. You got to make sure that you're going to school correctly, and then YouTube had to be put aside. So, peeps, my apologies there, but I, I had no choice. I was dying. I was not well. You know what I'm saying? And you can see it in this video. I'm not faking it. I was not well. So, let me tell you something quick. A couple of things. Um, normally on Friday, we have the test that we have for the week. And then right after the test, which was different from the years before, we have an actual course right after the test. 
which was very difficult to actually go to. I went to all of them except for this week, and I'll tell you why. As soon as I finished the test, I walked up to the teacher. I said, sir, I just got to let you know I'm not going to be able to stay for today's um, course. And he looked at me. He looked in my eye. He goes, go to the doctor right away. No hesitation. He was like, bro, go. Don't don't even come close. Go, go, go. So as soon as I finished, I had to go straight to the doctor. Uh, I got eye drops for the pink eye. They could give me nothing else for all my other symptoms because they did a swab of my throat, and apparently I didn't have pink eye or I didn't have strep throat, which was good, which was a blessing, but it was also like, oh, God. I just want to put medication in me to make this body better as quickly as possible. Another sad thing in this in this uh, whole situation is my sister gave birth that week to my second nephew. So I really wanted to go see them in the hospital, but I couldn't because I was so damn sick. Anyways, that's all covered in the video at the beginning. Um, but I am uh, – both my nephews are doing well, thankfully, knock on wood. <laughs> Um, everybody's good. Everybody's uh, well so far. And I'm not, fortunately, I'm not ill right now. I'm better now. So I'm very happy to be in this space. But as soon as I got sick and I try, and I finally recovered, which was around week four to week five, because week four, I was still coasting. Like I was still dealing with the, you know, the congestion and whatnot. I, I just wasn't able to get back on the horse of YouTube. So that's why I got a bunch of footage that I'm going to get out to you guys. But I wasn't able to get back on the YouTube game because I was so overwhelmed with those review sections. The review sections were what were killing us as a class. Everybody was saying the same thing. Okay, we can memorize everything you want us to memorize for the week that you give us. But that review section was when you were going into Thursday night late, deep into Thursday night. Like you're looking at 1130. All of a sudden it's Friday morning. You're still memorizing stuff at, at midnight or 1 o'clock. So the review sections were the, were the one problem of last semester. Thankfully it's all done because it wasn't easy. Uh, something you got to know is that the big difference as well with these review sections is because you had this review section, I had to study starting Monday. So as of Monday, I was sitting down and I was memorizing. So I went Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and by Thursday, I had a good chunk of the week's uh, stuff down. And then I'd have to start Thursday night memorizing the rest of it, which was the review section. That was different from the weeks, uh, the years before. I was able to get away with studying just the Wednesday and the Thursday. You know, get by like that, just start memorizing like a maniac. But not this semester, man. And not only that, you had a major project that you had to do. And I'll tell you what the major project is. It was taking a house from a blueprint that they gave us, um, finding out, and you had to do three different drawings. You had to do a drain plan. So this is like a bird's eye view of what the drains in the basement are going to look like, where your stacks are going to come up. Then you had to do a stack elevation, which is just a front view. And you'd have to draw the floors and you'd have to show all the fixtures that are going to be uh, drawn out and connected, whatever. And then your third one was an isometric. Isometric uses a special ruler, which is a 3060 uh, T-square, they call it, I think. It's, it's a triangle with a 30-degree angle and a 60-degree angle. And you'd have to draw a three-dimensional view of how your fixtures are going to look, okay? Once you finish that, 
Then you had to do a materialist, which means you had to call up a supplier. You had to look on, on the website of Home Depot or whatever, get a materialist, find out all the prices. You'd have to make a quote, and you'd have to create a legitimate quote that you could literally hand to a customer, and you had to hand that in as your final product for this one class, which was drafting, essentially. So you had that on top of it. Every single week of that class, you had to hand one thing in. So as of week one, you would have to do the drink plan. Week two, you would have to do um, the stack elevation. Week three, you would have to do uh, the isometric. Week four, you would have to start doing your etc., etc. It was actually spread out a bit wider. It wasn't every... Uh, it, there were a couple of extra things that we had to hand in there because by week six, you had to hand everything in essentially. So every week you were working on this thing basically. It wasn't one of those things that you can hammer out within an evening. So it was it was an extensive sort of thing. And then on top of that, we did backflow. Now, got to say something, peeps, because I'm very proud of this. Kenny Molotov is officially a certified backflow technician. This right here is the AWWA manual, uh, which is the Canadian Cross Connection Control Manual. I think it's also the OWWA. I think the teacher was saying that this A changed to an O, which is the Ontario Waterworks Association. I have been blessed to be able to get my backflow certification, which was a really big deal because Dad and I do do backflows quite a bit. Um, it's it's something that comes up. Sorry, guys, getting that in the way of the video right here. It's something that does come up for us. Um, it it was it was an interesting course because the the backflow course was essentially it went for six weeks. Okay, now normally, if you wanted to take a backflow course and you weren't doing advanced plumbing, what you would have to do first of all, you'd have to be a licensed plumber. There are other careers that allow you to take this backflow course. You have to be some sort of engineer or whatnot, but you'd have to essentially pay a thousand bucks for a course, and it would be like a weekend course or the span of a couple of weekends, or it would be a night course, which would be a couple of nights a week for a couple of weeks, that sort of thing. This year, we were able to do it for 185 bucks. <laughs> so, so get this, okay? I want the backflow because dad and I need it. Dad has his backflow, by the way. So I come up to dad. I go, dad, we have our backflow certification soon. He goes, okay, good. How much is it going to be? I go $185. And my dad just paid $600 for a renewal course. Every five years, you got to renew your, your certification. And he looks at me dead in the face. He goes, bro, you better friggin' pass this test for $185. So he put the pressure on, peeps. I had to get it done. And thankfully, I got it done. You need a 75 to pass. I was blessed to get an 84. I'm actually going to be doing backflow with you guys today. Here are my cue cards that I use to study for backflow. I'm going to go through a handful so you can understand what sort of things are going on. And I'll explain it to you. But that was another thing that we had to get done and what was the third so we had theory we had backflow we had drafting and that was essentially it normally in basic and intermediate plumbing we also had to do shop class and shop class was not oh yes okay i'll tell you i i figured something out shop class wasn't a thing this semester for advanced plumbing you had to no shop but what went in the place of shop class was the cfq 
CFQ stands for certific Certification of Qualification. <laughs> Sorry, it's the national exam. So like I was telling you, Friday was a course that we had to be taking. And on Friday, we were doing a course solely based on preparing us for the national exam. So I've probably explained this to you guys before, but for those of you that are new, uh, the way it works here in Ontario, in Canada, is that there's a national exam that you need to pass to be certified as a plumber, to be licensed, okay? However, Ontario has its own codebook for plumbing. So what I have to do is I just learned the Ontario codebook. That's what our schooling does for us. We go into school, we do basic and intermediate and advanced, and in all those blocks, we are learning the Ontario Plumbing Codebook. Then, in order to get certified and licensed as a plumber, you got to now study the National Codebook and then take the test, which is solely on the National Codebook. So that's why we have one section, uh, one class solely dedicated to that. And from what I understand, I, I speak to a couple of plumbers out in Alberta. In Alberta, uh, they only go by the National Codebook. So that's a huge advantage for them, in a sense, because they're already ready for the National Exam. They've been studying these things for the past three years. I also think the certification is different because from what I understand, don't quote me on this, but from what I understand, a couple of people out there were saying that gas and plumbing go together in Alberta. And I don't think it's not a three-year program. I think it's a four-year program rather than a three-year program here in Ontario. I can actually verify this. Um, I have a buddy who I speak to over the YouTube channel that was saying, and I was asking him how he was going because he was sending, he's going to send me, I still got to get in contact with him for this, of uh, some review stuff. And it's Adam Huss. Huss or Hussy? Um, Adam goes, yeah, he's going for a fourth year. There's, I did a three-block program. He's got a fourth year, a four-block program. Um, and I was talking to another cat that was saying that um, gas goes along with it as well. So, Adam, thanks for the love, bro. And, I, and that review stuff I'm going to need real soon, if you know what I'm saying. So, um, And best of luck, bro. Best of luck. So uh, that's that's the big difference about this uh, between this semester and the years previous to this. You have this whole uh, national exam prep course that you got to take, and I got to be honest, guys, I'm nervous about this thing. This is uh, a little bit out of my comfort zone, and by a little bit, I mean a lot. And the reason why I say that is because it goes into things that. I'm not familiar with at all. Apparently, there are going to be some questions on medical gas. Does Kenny Molotov know about medical gas? No. Kenny Molotov knows nothing about medical gas. So I'm going to have to start brushing up on medical gas. And fortunately, the teachers at the school I went to, which was George Brown, they were awesome enough to give us a bunch of things that were going to help us prepare for it. So I have to really sit down and start start on the weekends, sit down at a coffee shop and start going through everything that they gave us, highlighting it, and making cue cards. Cue cards are going to be a really big plus for me and are going to be a really big blessing because it's a really good way to study 
I'm planning to do an entire video on how to study for plumbing uh, or how to study for, yeah, plumbing school or the way at least I study for plumbing school in order to be able to get myself ahead. So that's basically what the semester looked like for me. I got all that done. I, I was blessed to get the certification for backflow, which was a really big thing, like I was saying, for, for me and my dad. Um, I got all the tests here, by the way. This is this is my plumbing school tests right here for advanced plumbing. Um, lots of things. There, were, there, there was one test that I totally botched, by the way. Um, that was a bad week. And that's a week I'm going to talk to you guys about later. But it was a bad week, man. It was a bad week. Uh, let's just say I pulled an all-nighter that night. So what had happened is is this terrible series of events. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. This terrible series of events. We've had four storms within the eight weeks that I was in school. Four of them. Uh, the first one was really bad. And the school didn't close down. The second one... The school closed down. The third one, the school closed down. And I think it was the third one. Uh, long story short, okay. Monday, we get we get to school. We get we we don't get our test back that day, but we get to school, and uh, and one of the guys sitting behind me, a good guy, Alec, he turns to the teacher halfway through theory, and he goes, "Sir, you know what the review section's gonna be." And the teacher kind of was like, I don't know. What I'll do, he said, is at lunch or at break, I'm going to go ask the other teacher who's doing the test this week. And we're like, okay, perfect. We're going to find out on Monday what the review section is. Get us ahead of the game. You know what I'm saying? That way we're ready for Thursday and Friday. I'm excited. Alec did the right move. Teacher comes back. Alec kind of pokes him again. Sir, so did you find out about the review section? Teacher goes, nah. Sorry, guys. I wasn't able to speak to him. He wasn't in. Blah, blah, blah. Something like that. So we're sitting back going, ah, man, that would have been so useful. You know, start studying on the Monday, bro. So get this. Tuesday hits. Tuesday's a storm. And I looked it up. I think it was Tuesday. I'm pretty sure it was Tuesday. And I looked it up. And I find out that uh, the, the school closed for the day. Perfect. I'm going to stay home. Now, instead of studying everything that I should have been studying from Monday, I got to be honest, I sort of had a, a moment of uh, selfishness and irresponsibility, and I played Metal Gear Solid the whole day. I did not get up from the couch. I was working these thumbs out, peeps. It was good. It was a blessing. I know. So we get back to school on Wednesday. We got our tests back. Then on Wednesday, we don't. I don't think we found out what the review section was. So on Wednesday, um, I think it was also bad weather. It wasn't as bad as before. It wasn't as bad as the, the day before, but it was still pretty bad. So I think the school was closing down again. I, I Don't quote me on that, but it was something. It was a weird series of events. So on Wednesday, my wife and I opted to go home early. And then comes Thursday, okay? And we find out the review section on Thursday. And this is where it all goes to crap, okay? Because I got Monday to study. We missed Tuesday. Wednesday, we had a half day. Wednesday is always a half day for school. So he gives us one section of theory. And then 
Thursday is where he hammers us with everything. So here's here's where it got really hairy. Normally, you'd expect if you had a day off, if the entire school had a day off, that they would take it easy in regards to the theory. However, the teachers have an allotted amount of information they have to give you for that week. So they weren't able to actually pull the reins and not give you that much information. So even though you're a day short, even though you didn't go to school for one day, they still have to give you the same exact amount of content that they were expected to give if they had a four-day week, okay? We had a three-day week, and they gave us all that information. And then either on Wednesday or Thursday, they gave us the review section, and that was it. I melted down because I got home, or I, I started studying that night on Thursday thinking to myself, bro, I know nothing. I know nothing about most things. So I'm trying to memorize everything for the week, and I remember that week was ridiculous with drawings, man. You had to know so many different types of hot water systems. The mezzanine uh, style, you had to know the up feed, the down feed. This is risers, by the way. And like you had to know how to draw them all out. You needed to know where the pressure relief valves were. You had to know where the valves were. It was a lot of work, a lot of content. I'm sitting back banging my head against the wall going, bro, there's still a review section that I got to do. So... I opted to go ahead and pull an all-nighter because I'm thinking to myself, bro, I ain't going to do bad on this test. I'm going to ace this test. So I spend the whole night trying to memorize all this bloody content. And you know what, guys? Here's what ends up happening. We got home late. We got home at around 9 o'clock on that Thursday before the test. I start studying. I start pulling this all-nighter, and I'm like literally on the couch going through cue cards, trying to memorize everything, Like, and my head's falling forward. And at one point, I blank out, and I fall asleep, and then I wake up, and I keep hammering it out. Then I put a T in me, trying to keep myself awake. Man, it was a disaster. So, so what ends up happening, around 5 o'clock, Kenny Molotov gets in the truck. And starts driving to school, okay? It was the toughest drive of my life because it's pitch black outside. Um, well, there are lights, but it's it's dark outside. Your body's telling you to sleep. And you're saying no. And you're driving for an hour. You're driving for 45 minutes to an hour, okay? That's how far the school is for me. And guys, I had such a hard time keeping my eyes open. I was not doing well so never again never an all-nighter again especially if i got to do a drive like that and then i get to the school i park in the parking lot and i say to myself okay let's close our eyes just for a minute i close my eyes i was out like that i woke up a half an hour later fortunately though um i still wasn't late so what i had to learn was sizing of copper pipe because I wasn't there for that for some reason. I, I missed that. Oh, I missed that from the, the week before when we learned it during uh, prep. Anyways, nonetheless, we had a kid in class named Nate. And Nate was really good at this stuff. So I, I went in and I had to ask him um, uh, how to do it. So Nate sat me down and he started doing doing the sizing with me. And he taught me 
pretty good. Thank you, Nate, if you're ever watching. Um, and then I went into the test, okay? And now here's the hard part about the test. I get in there. I've been up longer than 24 hours at this point. And guys, I just had no firepower in this mind. I was looking at questions I knew the answer to, but I just couldn't get it out of my brain. I was so damn tired. So after that, that was it. I did the test. I ended up getting like a 78 on it, which is a good mark. Don't get me wrong. It's not where I wanted it to be, but never again. It was not worth pulling the all-nighter. In fact, I think I did more damage because I was an emotional wreck the rest of the weekend. I don't know if you guys have this problem, but if my sleep goes off, dude, my emotions go off like this. I become this like volatile creature where I'll snap one second, I'll be laughing, and I'll be crying. Like it just I'm a disaster when that happens. So never again. After that, I said to myself, what I know on Thursday night is what I know. That's it. And and that was it. I, I just ended up doing the tests after that until until Thursday night. And then I called it quits. But before, uh, but that was it. That was it. And what I want to do now is do a little bit of backflow with you guys. Um, go through some of the questions here. See how much I've retained over the past few weeks. Hopefully quite a bit. Um, so what I end up doing, the backflow course was six weeks long, and on the seventh week, you had um, you had a written test, okay? And this is a national test. That's what I got to let you guys know. Uh, or is it a provincial test? It's either a provincial or a national test. I'm, uh, this is the OWW. I'm going to say a provincial test. So essentially, everybody writing their backflow test that day in the province is going to be writing the same test from what I understand. So it's it's not one that my teachers put together. It's literally one written by uh, the powers that be of the province, okay? So that's the first thing. The six weeks coming up to this is just theory. They're just explaining it to you. And uh, you don't have any testing on this. You literally, it's a 100% exam. Whatever you get on the final exam is what you get on the course and is what you get on the national or the provincial test, for example. So that was a little bit nerve-wracking because you're not really being tested, right? So you're not sure how sharp you are. And going into the week seven test, you're thinking to yourself, man, do I know enough? Am I... You know, am I getting this? Am I, am I sure? So we, we were kind of nervous going into it. Most of us were. So that was that. And then week eight, we had to do our practical tests where you actually take the test gauge, you put it on the backflow preventers, you test an RP, uh, you test a, a DCVA, and you test a pressure vacuum breaker, okay? All these are different forms of backflow prevention. They're, they're devices, mechanical devices, for backflow prevention, and you use each one on different um, types of hazards. You have a minor, you have a severe, and you also have a moderate hazard. So, anyways, that's what that's what it was like. Um, it was tough. I'm really proud that it was done. Um, but let's go through a few questions, okay? So, let me see what we got here. I don't know where to even start. Let me give a, this a good shuffle. So the good thing that I find about doing uh, cue cards, for example, is that 
now that I have these cue cards, a lot of the content will be similar in the next test coming up in the next five years. So I'll be able to actually go back to these and use these still to study for the next exam. At least that's the theory. Hopefully in five years, I'll be saying that it worked out for me, okay? Let's just talk about some things. Another thing about cue cards, though, is that it's harder for other people to study off of them. Because, for example, what I do is I end up putting blanks. And the blanks are the ones that you have to fill in, right? So I said all shutoffs and test cocks shall be blank, blank. Now, you got to take it easy with the word test cock, okay? Don't get uh, inappropriate on me right now. That's what they're called. You, you could also short abbreviate them to TC1, TC2, TC3, TC4, depending on the type of backflow, okay? Anyways, all shutoffs and test cocks shall be something, something, okay? Now, this something, something, uh, somebody else trying to study this will have no idea, idea but this should be um, resilient, soft-seated. Boom! Resilient ones, soft-seated. We get it? There, there it is. There it is. All right. For water hammer... You guys know what a water hammer is when you turn something on very quickly or turn something off very quickly. We're talking about a, uh, like a, a fixture. Water hammer is when the pipes start moving because of that uh, abrupt start or abrupt start. Water hammer, you're going to use a water hammer arrestor or, or a sacrificial check valve downstream of the backflow preventer, but you shouldn't use both. Yes, you use a water hammer arrestor or a swing check, a sacrificial swing check instead of uh, downstream of CV2, but not both. Um, DCDA, dual check detector assembly. SS stands for stainless steel. So I got to be honest, we've never looked at dual check detector assemblies. Uh, I've never... I've never even installed one. I'm not sure if I ever will, but it's not one dad and I typically use. Some backflow preventers can be installed blank. And the answer to that is vertically. Not all backflows, uh, backflow preventers, mechanical backflow preventers can be installed vertically. You have to look at uh, your manufacturer's recommendations. That's right. Uh, where an uninterrupted flow of water is required, a parallel service with a backflow preventer in each line is required. So, for example, if you have a hospital and somebody in the hospital requires, I, I think dialysis machines absolutely need water to constantly be going to work, basically. And somebody's on a dialysis machine. You don't want to test that backflow preventer and shut off the water to the entire system, okay? It's dangerous for those sorts of situations. So what you'll do is you'll put um, essentially a, a bypass, all right? And this bypass will be called a parallel service. But in order to have a parallel service, you need a backflow preventer in the bypass itself so that you can make sure if there is a cross-contamination and a form of backflow starts happening, the backflow preventer will activate on the bypass, basically. And that's one thing you got to make sure. All right? What is premise isolation? This is protection of the potable water. Uh, I think this is the protection of the purveyor's potable water distribution system from anything inside the building, from anything that may happen within the building. Now, guys, I know this might not make sense to you, but essentially the purveyor is the supplier of potable water, okay? 
they're bringing water into the building. Let's say it's a hospital, and the purveyor is, let's say, uh, wherever this hospital is. Let's say it's in London, Ontario, okay? So London, Ontario, the city, is supplying the potable water. They're the pur purveyor. It's coming into the, the building, and let's say it's a hospital. Now, hospitals, according to what kind of rooms they have in there, can have some very uh, interesting ways of backflow that can occur. If you have an autopsy room, for example, that's a severe hazard from what I remember because you have um, things inside autopsy rooms that are hazardous to humans, okay? And it'll cause severe illness or death to a large population of people if it gets back into the potable water system. So just for that zone itself, you're gonna have to put a backflow preventer in it. Now, all right, so you do that. And then you gotta now look at the entire building and decide, can anything go into the purveyor's potable water and make a hazard there? And then after that, you have to put a backflow preventer to protect the purveyor's water system from anything that may happen within a building. Makes sense? So a cross-contamination is basically some form of non-potable water distribute, a non-potable system connected with a potable system. So basically, your drinking water is connected to something that you shouldn't be ingesting. And that's why we put backflow preventers in. All right. When installing an atmospheric vacuum breaker, its critical limit must be at least uh, 25 millimeters above flood level rim. Good answer. Good answer. And then I have test procedures. Uh, let's do a few more. All right. Check this out. We, we also answered this recently. No blank is allowed around a backflow preventer unless it has this. The answer to that is, is no bypass is allowed around a backflow preventer unless it has an equal or better backflow preventer on the bypass itself. Minimum size of an air gap, it's uh, 25 millimeters or two times the diameter of the si supply pipe. That's right. At least twice the diameter of the supply pipe. Okay, so what is an air gap? An air gap is uh, the most common form of backflow that we have actually. So. If you look at any faucet, if the faucet is installed correctly with its appropriate air gap, you have a distance between the faucet and the flood level rim of the receiving fixture. So you have a sink and you have a faucet. And that distance between the faucet and the sink is called an air gap. So if you filled that sink up all the way to the top and your faucet is much further above it, it's not inside the sink itself, then you have an air gap, and that's a form of backflow prevention. Basically, it's a non-mechanical method of backflow prevention because nothing can get back into the faucet and back into the potable water distribution system. Cool? Makes sense? Now, there are problems with that because air gaps are easily um, manipulated. In other words, if you ever see a faucet, like a laundry faucet, where you connect the hose to it and the hose goes into the laundry tub below it, that is how you destroy an air gap. An air gap is essentially gone. If that, if that hose is now inside the receiving fixture, not above the flood level rim of that fixture, now you have a situation where you can actually have a backflow occur. All right, makes sense. Atmospheric vacuum breaker is installed for a moderate, minor to moderate hazards only. 
like a janitor slop sink faucet, commercial dishwasher, or a bidet, I think, yeah. And also atmospheric uh, vacuum breaker, when water shut off, it is um, subject to atmospheric pressure only. What's atmospheric pressure, you say? It, it, is, it can lift water 33.9 feet uh, for, oh man, man, rusty, Kenny Molotov's rusty. I'm trying to figure out what I wrote here. Blank, blank, or devices with blank, blank shall not be installed in a something, something. Okay. Air gaps. That's what I'm going to go with. Air gaps or devices with... Air gaps or devices with open ports like an RP shall not be installed in a corrosive or polluted environment. Boom! Air gaps or open ports. Okay. What's an air gap? Oh, we just talked about what an air gap is. It's the most common form of backflow that we have, um, like on your faucet, if it's above the flood level rim of the receiving fixture. That, or an open port like an RP, it's a little bit technical. I'm going to try to explain it to you. You have an RV. You have a relief valve. And the way this relief valve works is pressure coming in. You need at least two PSI of pressure coming in to close this relief valve. So the pressure comes in and it closes it, okay? Perfect. And then it distributes it throughout the backflow preventer, all right? What ends up happening is if there's a reversal of pressure and the pressure on this side is greater than 2 PSI, it'll start pushing back and that relief valve will open and water will start draining through it, okay? It's a check valve. Oh, no, sorry. It's a spring-loaded valve, okay? But the way... Um, RVs come out of the box is that they're normally open. You require pressure to actually close these things. If you have an air gap or if you have an open port like an RV coming off of DCVA, no, sorry, coming off a uh, RP, you aren't allowed to put them in a noxious environment, in a corrosive or polluted environment. So in other words, if you have a place, an area in a building that only ha that has toxic fumes, like, I don't know, bleaches and uh, other toxic fumes. You're not allowed to have either an air gap or an open port inside there because what it can do is it can get through there, in theory. It can hit the water, and now those fumes, which have toxicity to them, can be on the water as it's going through the system. So you're not allowed to put open ports or air gaps in rooms that are noxious with polluted or corrosive materials or fumes, okay? Makes sense? The drawback of an air gap is that they are easily manipulated, easy to modify, I should say, like a hose on a faucet, all right? A dental office. What sort of hazard is a dental office, and what sort of device do you use? A dental office is a, I think it's a moderate. No, it's a severe. You need an RP to put on that. Good thing I'm reading this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when does water become non-potable? As soon as it leaves the potable water distribution system, it's not a potable. Uh, it's non-potable anymore. In other words, you, the purveyor cannot guarantee anything as soon as it leaves the potable water distribution system. So if you fill up a glass of water with water, if you fill up a glass of water and you put it on the table, that's it. It can't be guaranteed to be potable anymore. Isn't that weird? 
for thermal expansion. You guys know what thermal expansion is? Quick, uh, quick little definition. Essentially, when you put thermal expansion is essentially the uh, raising and lowering of pressure within a system. The only problem is, is that when you start putting backflow preventers on systems, now you've closed the system off from being able to distribute that pressure. So when you put a backflow preventer on top of uh, any system, you need to put in an expansion tank because if you don't, that raising of pressure will essentially make the relief valves on your hot water tanks discharge if there's too much pressure going into this system. So you need to put a, an expansion tank which will allow and account for that. For thermal expansion, use a expansion tank or thermal expansion relief valve or in other words called a tear valve. Um, the requirements for fire protection or fire suppression are in the Ontario Waterworks Association Manual, CSA B6410 standard, and the CSA B6410 standard is stricter. I think that's the answer. Okay. Uh, something are only something if water is known to have foreign matter in it. Okay. Strainers are only required if water is known to have foreign matter in it. Sometimes you'll your backflow preventer will get botched up with with debris, okay? Because here's what you got to keep in mind. A lot of backflow preventers have check valves in them, right? Now, a check valve is sort of like a swinging door a lot of the times. If anything obstructs the door, it won't be able to close. Makes sense, right? You put your foot in the in between the door and uh, the, the other side of the, the, the thing, <laughs> and you try to close the door, you can't. Same thing with check valves. They won't be able to close if there's foreign matter in it. So, what a lot of people opt to do is put in strainers. That way the strainer will catch all the debris and you'll just have water passing through it. Of course, you're going to have to go in and clean out that strainer from time to time, especially if you know that there's a lot of foreign matter going into it. What are two things that are normally open? Relief valves and atmospheric vacuum breakers. Pop it on a pressure vacuum breaker and RV on an RP. Okay, good. Test kits. All right, we're going to end on this. Test kit, and there's a bunch of things you got to know about test kits. They're delicate. They're expensive. They need to be drained. They need to be uh, calibrated annually. And you got to make sure that you don't leave them in the truck. And I'm only talking about places that have freezing weather. Because here in Ontario, what will happen is, and this has happened to my father actually, is if you don't drain it correctly, and even if you do drain it correctly and there's any water left in the system, you leave it in the truck, you go do some service work, you come back and you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with my, my, uh, my test kit? Well, it froze. It froze, it cracked some parts, now you got to go get it fixed. So that's something to keep in mind. So peeps, I know it's been a while. I don't know if you enjoyed this section of um, the podcast, but it was something that I was thinking of doing for you guys because at least you get to see what sort of things I had to study. It sounds pretty dull right now, but when you're learning about it, it's a lot more fun. And when you actually get to handle the devices and test them, it gets a lot more fun because these are pretty cool devices. They're pretty badass, I got to say. Um, that's been my that's been the situation here. You know, I got a bit of a tan because I was in the Dominican. Um, school's been crazy busy. I got sick, but I got better, thankfully. 
And I'm going to continue to try to get these videos out for you guys. I'm going to try to make it more um, more constant. You know what I'm saying? Uh, try to do the weekly uploads like I was doing before. Maybe even get one or two videos out a week. It would be a blessing. And guys, once again, peeps, I really appreciate the, the support. And you, you being so patient with me, all right? My name is Kenny Molotov. I'm a professional magician, YouTuber, musician. Everything down in the links below. I appreciate the love. And I'll see you guys very soon. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.